everybody Dan from Binder Boneyard coming at you from the shop office still um, things have been going good busy uh, just trying to work through the work um, been beautiful weather so that's always a bonus it makes uh, it makes getting up every morning a little little bit easier so appreciate all the new subscribers um, the patreon donors that's helpful um you know i picked up a few uh, youtube subscribers so making some new youtube videos those should be out soon um yeah just trying to cover all of the cover all the bases get the uh the shopify store is up and uh, going so we're moving a little bit of product there Get ready for Harvester Homecoming. Um, that is the end of July. So trying to get my travelette prepped and ready for that. Um, changing out a few things to help with the cooling. Um, the thing's still running kind of warm. Uh, ordered a new official Cummins thermostat for it. It's already got an aluminum radiator. Um, changing the mechanical fan um i just put a 16 inch on there because i just had it laying around i ordered a 18 inch so i'll put that on there and um i'm gonna add an external oil cooler um to try and help bring those oil temps down just because it's uh the long grades what i'm pulling you know the turned up pump and things like that, it just gets hotter. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to, trying to fight that. I don't know. I mean, the motor's got 250,000 miles on it, so it probably needs a good block flush or something that would probably help with some of the temps, but yeah. Um, the automatic, same thing, trying to get the automatic to run a little bit cooler when i'm towing so it's uh, i've already got a couple of coolers on it but they're small um three eighths inlet outlet and you know they're stacked plate style coolers but they are i think the fluid is moving through them too quickly and it's just not cooling down so um i'm gonna change them out to i've got some 10 an which is like half inch line. Uh, so I've got two um, 12 by 12, 10 AN stacked plate coolers with uh, fans built into them. So they're gonna go under the truck. That's where my current stack of coolers is. I have one out front and then uh, one underneath. So I'm gonna leave the one out front and then put the two heavy duty ones underneath and um you know wire in the fans and i already have a trans temp gauge and that kind of stuff so i can see what's going on i recommend that any of you guys that are towing with a uh, automatic um you should get a transmission temperature gauge it's really helpful to see what's going on um it just yeah it's it's amazing what's happening um you know, even like an oil temp gauge, those really aren't necessary. But um, I know like 
my friend Scott Stroud was fighting uh, overheating uh, with his travelette. He had, you know, his travelette as a 60 front, and um, I think he's got three 73 gears, uh, 35 inch tires, and the overdrive five speed from International. And after running at 75 on the freeway for half hour, he would start to overheat. And it would run around town all day at, you know, at 55 and not get hot. But pushing it on the freeway, 75, it's running, you know, with the overdrive and the 35s. And he was running at like 2200 RPM, which isn't, you know, a ton of RPM, you know, when it comes to cruising. But it was just the heat would start creeping up. And so he put an oil temperature gauge on to see what was happening there to help rule out some things. And sure enough, the oil temperatures were getting, you know, hot, 230, 240, 250. And, and that would correlate to hot water temperature. Um, you know, of course the oil would come up first and then the water temp would creep up behind it. Uh, and then, you know, you slow down, stop going so fast or stop pushing it so hard and then the water temp would come down, then the oil temps would come down. So he ended up putting an oil cooler on it off of a Lodestar, and that solved his heating problem. He was able to keep the oil cool, and then that helped keep the whole assembly down, because if you think about it, you know, the oil is passing through all the same places that the water's passing through, essentially. So, uh, you know, if you can keep the oil cooler, then that helps with overall engine temperatures. So we did the same thing. Um, our big Connie build that we're on right now for Colin, uh, that one, that's my old travel all 73, um, 11, 10, four wheel drive, half ton, got 354 gears, 33 inch tires, 392, 727, uh, and it is going to Arizona. And I wanted to make sure that even in Arizona that it stayed, um, you know, manageable. So um, we uh, put every bit of cooler on there that we could. I put a external oil cooler, it's got uh, an even bigger transmission cooler. It has a power steering cooler, uh, of course the oil cooler, and then the aluminum radiator uh, that we had, or that he ordered aftermarket. That's also massive. Uh, it's got a six blade mechanical 18 inch Flexalite on there. It's got a custom made fan shroud. Um, and so, you know, everything that's in there, it should should stay cool uh you know the secret is getting getting all of that heat out out of the uh engine compartment you know yeah it's gonna blow it's gonna blow back in when it's all in front of the radiator but um you know the the blocks they're so thick and they just hold so much heat and then you've got all the accessory brackets that are heating up and 
all the tin and the inner fenders and all that stuff. It just, the heat just keeps compounding and then, you know, stop and go traffic or something like that. And it just, it, you just get this heat soak and everything is hot. And then, you know, we also did a full top end reseal. So everything got cleaned. The valley pan got done. Or, um, sorry, the front timing cover got done. Crank seal, all that. Um, partially because we didn't want to leak anymore. But two, that half inch layer of dirt and oil is like a blanket. And it just holds heat in. It, it just doesn't let the heat escape. And it just traps it. So... You know, another thing, if you are fighting heating problems, that's something to think about. Go to the car wash if you don't have a pressure washer. I know it says right on the wall not to do it, but I'm telling you to do it. Go to the car wash and blast it. Get that gunk out of there. Try to knock some of that thick oil and dirt buildup off, of off the block. That'll help knock some temperature down too or at least let the temps escape the block it might get hotter under the hood but at least some of that heat is escaping the cast iron engine block so anyway i kind of took off on a jag there about cooling but anyway it's the same across the board i guess is the point whether it's a cummins diesel it's a four-cylinder scout 80 it's a 392 powered travel all or travel at there's things that affect the heat and the more heat you can get out of the engine and accessories with external coolers the better so um anyway so anyway we're getting the black truck ready to go i still got to do rear wheel bearings i got a wheel seal that's leaking uh one of the tires back tires has started locking up on me at uh at, at speed so uh, I think the uh, wheel seals leaked into the drum and soaked the shoes down. So I don't know if I, I keep kicking around the idea about doing rear disc, but I just, I don't know. I Time and money and everything else would just be easier to throw bearings and sh a set of shoes at it. I mean, it's a 14 bolt, so it's pretty cheap to put back together. Um, so I still need to do that. So I got a laundry list of shit that I need to do before we leave for that trip to be as worry-free as possible. Um, you know, when I built the truck, it's got 1410 U-joints. It's got, you know, heavy wall drive shafts. It's, it's got, uh, you know, the 205, we just put new output seals in. So it's pretty liquid tight. You know, just things like that we keep chipping away at, but, um, after the drama of last year's trip to nationals, I just don't want that to happen again. <laughs> so, so, you know, changing things, fixing a few things, buttoning up some wiring, you know, stuff that got put off. You know, we had all that trouble going to King of the Hammers as well. And there was some more, you know, side of the road fixes then. And so I'd like to just undo a lot of that and do it right. So, um, you know, I guess this, we're going to roll this podcast into trip prep. So if you guys are going to homecoming and you're driving any distance, I would recommend, yes, make sure you're cooling, 
<clears throat> cooling system is up to snuff. Um, make sure that you got plenty of oil. Make sure you don't have any leaks. If you do have leaks, make sure you have enough oil to put back in the truck as you drive. Um, you know, check it at every fuel stop. That's the best way I've found to stay on top of consumption is stopping at fuel stops. And it, sometimes what happens is you'll stop once and you won't see a change and you'll stop again. And you might see that it's down, you know, an eighth of an inch on the line. And so you don't add any. And then you'll stop and you'll go, oh, I'm sure it's fine because the last two stops weren't much drop. And then you stop again. So it's at four tanks. And now you're a quart low and you've been driving on the freeway this whole time, you know, and so, you know, high RPM, that kind of stuff. It's, it's hard on these motors and they use oil. They leak it faster. They burn it faster. It just gets pushed out of the engine faster at highway speed. So on your travels, make sure you're stopping. And also it helps if you open the hood, you can just do a visual check, make sure there's not some wire rubbing on something, a loose hose, your air filters falling off, you know, um, stupid stuff like that that happens, especially for you guys that are weekend warrior, you know, the truck sits in the garage all week, you drive it to the mini mart, you drive it to the burger stand, and then it goes back in the garage. I mean, you can do that for years with almost no problem. But the first time you put it on the highway and you really run it, then that except exaggerates any problems that you might have or opens up problems that you didn't know that you had. So I'm seeing a lot of guys that are buying quote unquote restored trucks off of eBay and bring a trailer and they're getting them home. Of course they're being trucked in and the first thing they got to do is mechanical work, you know, cause Oh yeah, it might've drove around a lot. It might've drove around, you know, down to McDonald's and back, but you know, transfer cases are puking. It's got no back brakes. So good, funny story. Um, I know a guy that bought a scout 800 and went to test drive it and it was sprung over and had wheels and tires and freshly painted and he's driving it around the guy's lot and the brakes are really spongy. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, you just got to bleed them. You just need to bleed the brakes. No big deal. Guy's like, are you sure? Because it feels kind of. It's like, yeah, no, nah, it's good, man. Just bleed the brakes. So the guy buys a scout for a lot of money. Trailers at home, and they're starting to go through it. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna check the adjustment on the brakes. Jacks it up, sticks his little brake tool through the slot in the backing plate on the front. You know, on the passenger side front, and it doesn't touch anything. He's like, well, that's weird. So he takes the tire off, takes the drum off, and there's nothing inside the drum. No wheel cylinder. I'm sorry, there was a wheel cylinder, but no shoes, no springs, no nothing. Just empty. And that's why it had spongy brakes, because it was only running on the back. So you guys that are buying trucks from a distance and then hoping to put some miles on them or take them to the show or show them off, be careful, <laughs> be really, really careful because that stuff does happen. Um, 
you know, another guy recently bought a really fancy truck off of the internet, showed up at his house, had one working brake. Uh, all the brakes were there inside the axle, but uh, only one of them worked. And the transfer case was stuck in high range. And, um, you know, the truck only turned left and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, just make sure that you got some time to address some issues if that's your plan. Um, as far as road trip ready, just make sure you're greasing U-joints. You are um, checking wheel bearings, you know, lift the truck, jack the truck up enough that you can wiggle the tire. You know, if your front tire clunks back and forth, up and down, then you've got bearing problems, potentially ball joints. So, you know, address that. The rear end, jack it up, grab the tire, pull it in and out. See if that, you know, rear wheel bearing is is um, loose or needs to be needs to be pressed on or you know repaired, replaced. Uh, check for leaks, the axles, that kind of stuff. Make sure your vent, your breather tube, is free of of any obstruction. We just had a scout come in the other day that kept, he was complaining about leaky rear end and we, you know, checked everything. Everything was fine. And then Steve pulled the breather and sure enough, it was packed with uh, some insect and crawled in there and made a home and plugged it with mud. And so Steve, you know, evicted the bug and knocked all the dirt out of it, blew it out, made sure it was clean and put it back on. And as far as I know, the rear end is quit leaking. So, um, you know, things like that, uh, front end, make sure you grease your tie rod ends. Um, make sure that, you know, your belts are decent, make sure everything is adjusted. You don't want a belt flying off on the highway, but at the same time, you don't want it to be too tight because too tight, can create a lot of heat and then if it's an old belt it can fail so make sure that you maybe have an extra belt um, maybe you were you were prepared enough to purchase a medicine cabinet from us here at binder boneyard and you have fluids and some parts in your medicine cabinet so we do have some available if you would like to purchase one uh, scout 2 and 88 800s if you have a pickup um, you know, some stuff fits under the seat, some stuff fits behind the seat. Uh, a lot of guys have the cross bed toolbox. Um, I have service bed on the black truck, so I carry everything I need and then some. And then the red truck has a small toolbox in the back that I can lock and it has spare parts and fluids and jack and four way and all that stuff. So, um, make sure you have a spare tire that's important make sure that spare tire has air in it make sure that that spare tire has air in it and holds it for more than a day um double check your lug nuts make sure stuff's tight especially you guys that just cruising around town and don't see a lot of miles um double check the torque on your lug nut and i don't mean ugga duggas with the uh impact i mean actual torque wrench and torque it down to 110 um well 90 to 110, depending on your lug studs. Um, you know, just general, general stuff like that. Make sure your lights work. Nothing worse than getting a ticket when you're on a trip, especially if you have your old lady with you. Because for some reason, the old ladies never let you live it down. Every time you get pulled over, 
then that becomes the uh, topic of stories for the rest of your life. So <laughs> don't don't let that happen to you. Um, yeah, any exhaust leaks? Make sure those are cleaned up. You don't want to asphyxiate. You don't want your kids in the back to die of some you know asphyxiation or exhaust intake. I know it's a pretty substantial list. So if your if your rig needs a lot of things. You might want to maybe take a different rig. But uh, if you're brave and work fast, you might be able to get through your list. You know, if you haven't thought about it or don't remember when the last time was, change the oil in the rear end, change the oil in the transfer case. If you've got four speed, change that, change that gear oil. Because for some reason, the automatics got their fluid changed more often, I think because it was easier. Especially if you go to like the oil change places and they're like, oh, well, we can flush your transmission and they just unhook the lines and pump in new stuff. But for the, some reason, the manuals just never got that kind of attention. So if you've got a four speed, um, three speed, four speed or five speed, um, probably change that fluid. If you don't remember when the last time you changed the gear oil was, it, it probably wouldn't hurt to change it. You know, rear ends. 80 90 weight uh, if you got the limited slip don't forget the uh, additive um, transfer case you want um, you know um, synthetic uh, synthetic 80 90 if you are doing a lot of off-road a lot of four-wheel drive uh, you use it year-round um, you know if you're just a highway driver uh, the synthetic 50 weight is good uh, it's a light oil that you know it keeps everything lubed up but it's you know it's not meant for super heavy duty uh transmission same thing um i prefer personally because i do so much towing the synthetic 8090 um, it just seems to keep the gears a little quieter keeps uh keeps things f feels a little more cushioned uh if you're you know, not using it that hard and it's just your scout for driving around, you know, the 50 weight synthetic, uh, is, is good. And when I say 50 weight, I mean, engine oil, which sounds counterintuitive. I know. And I hate that it does, but, um, you know, like the full synthetic 50 weight, like the VR one, um, I think that's Valvoline VR one full synthetic racing oil. Um, that's that's a good 50 weight that a lot of guys like um the 8090 that i run is the valvoline uh full synthetic uh, and it's uh better for the the brass uh, the whole point of not running modern gear oil is because of the additives in standard gear oil like the gl5 rated stuff it has additives that will eat brass and when they start eating brass, which is what they use in the synchronizer rings and the thrust washers um, on the idler shafts and stuff, they they just start to disintegrate. And then when those start going away, then, then stuff starts moving around. Stuff's not meshing like it's supposed to. Things don't move like it's supposed to. So, yeah, so you don't want that. You want that stuff to stick around for 100 years. So the synthetic 
so from my understanding, does not have that problem, does not have the additives that traditional GL5 gear oil has. Um, you want to go old school, then you just run mineral oil. Just run GL1 vintage old school mineral oil. It's expensive. It's almost more expensive than the synthetic stuff, uh, if I remember. I have, it's been so long I haven't even looked at it. But um, yeah, I believe the early days, the stuff back before there was different GL ratings and stuff, I believe mineral oil, 90 weight, straight 90 mineral oil was what you could buy. I have to look back at my book because I'm not old enough. <laughs> I'm not old enough to know that. So, um, but yeah, you know, the downside to that was in the wintertime, it would be so thick, it, you know, you'd take forever to get the transmission heated up to where the oil would thin out, you know, and then shifts would be hard and all that. So that's another reason why I like the synthetic stuff. It's not as temperature sensitive. I mean, it still definitely is, you know, it thickens up a little bit in the winter and it thins out some in the summer, but it's generally more stable in temperature uh, than traditional conventional gear oils. So, um, what else? What else would I imagine? Just make sure some other stuff works. Make sure your wipers work. Uh, you know, you hate to get halfway there and then you're feel you know, get caught in a thunderstorm or something and you got no wipers. Ooh, oh man, about four years ago, coming back from nationals, I got caught in a thunderstorm that like, it was gnarly how, how much water was coming out of the sky and my wipers were barely keeping up. So, you know, that's an important, important thing to check. Uh, just make sure you got that stuff. So, um, like I talked about before about the spares, spare parts, just, you know, if you know, like I, anymore, I don't leave the house. If I have a gas powered, mostly stock scout, I don't leave the house without a fuel pump, a set of points, a coil, um, well, points and condenser and a coil. Generally that stuff will get you home. Like that's just what I found. I don't take a spare alternator. I don't, you know, that kind of stuff. It's not worth hauling around, but the stuff that can strand you, that, you know, failed coil, failed fuel pump, um, that stuff, that's what I take. I have extra fuel filter, um, you know, and of course the fluids, a couple of quarts of everything and whatnot. So, uh, and then the other thing that I think about sometimes along the way is, um, you know, keeping stuff stocked up. You don't want to use up your last quart of oil at the gas station and then go, oh, we'll get more oil the next time we go buy a Napa or something. And then you don't, you know, you forget. And then now you're somewhere else and you're like, oh, I need a quart of oil and you don't have it. So it might be a little more expensive, but I generally try and buy fluids. Like if I'm at the gas station and I just used my last quart, then I go in and I spend the $8 for a quart or whatever and, and buy a replacement quart because I just know that's how it works that you run out when you least expect it. So 
anyway, hopefully this thing made sense. I kind of was all over the map and uh, just wandering, but anyway, hopefully it helped. <laughs> hopefully it helped something. So anyway, I appreciate everyone. Thanks for all the love and support. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your mom. And until uh, next time, I'm Dan for Binder Boneyard.